Should the Packers be treating the end of the Aaron Rodgers era like the Saints treated the end of the Drew Brees era? Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints has our latest Summer Friday. You are Locked On Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You are Locked On Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for The Leap. A newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. You can follow me on Twitter. Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today's episode brought to you by our friends at Blue Nile. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from Blue Nile. And Locked on Packers listeners can get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement jewelry. Use code locked on at checkout. And thanks to those who make Locked On Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. Ross Jackson on the show today from Locked On Saints to compare and contrast styles between what the Saints have done over the last five or so years and what the Packers have done, the efficacy of it, the wisdom of it, and what do uh, what is a fan base that sees their team go all in in a very overt kind of way, a very aggressive kind of way, and still come up short? Think of what Green Bay is doing in a less aggressive way, though I, I will push back on the idea that the Packers have not been all in the last few seasons. So we talk about that. We talk about that in a sort of micro, macro picture, excuse me, a big picture sense of, you know, what's next for a team like the Bills, the Chiefs, the Packers. And so there are some really interesting tie-ins and some interesting lessons I think we can learn and connect these dots between the Saints and the Packers. Before we talk to Ross, let's talk, well, let's talk about our friends at Blue Nile. At BlueNile.com, you can celebrate all of life's special moments from creating that custom engagement ring of her dreams to gifting a classic and timeless jewelry piece, all at prices you won't find at a traditional jeweler. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as they are with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Build the engagement ring of their dreams or celebrate life's special moments with fine jewelry. No matter what you're looking for, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Packers listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. So use the promo code Locked On and get that $50 off. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. Joining me now... My friend and yours, Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints and Locked On NFL. Ross, I we have we've been doing these Summer Friday shows to have some just sort of fun conversations. And I thought you would be a great person to talk to because what the Saints are doing, I think, is the envy of a lot of fan bases. But and I want to talk about that part of it. Mm-hmm. But I also want to talk about whether or not it's it's working. And, whether or not it's practical <laughs> well i want to like let's set that part of it aside right yeah let's yeah. just set the practicality for a moment aside just it's like i think 2017 is really when it began in earnest mm-hmm. of like they have this home run draft the 
the seven and nine seasons, what is it? Three and four three years straight. with Drew Brees mm-hmm. or three, yeah, three, three straight. But then they have the hit on Marshawn Lattimore, Ryan Ramchek, Alvin Kamara. This, there's like this paradigmatic shift in just the roster construction. And then they start this. All right, we're going for it every year. Let's kick the can down the road as far as we can and go quote unquote all in every year. Just in that framing, how successful would you say they've been? Well, I, I think it, it's interesting, right? Because the postseason success isn't there, right? right? You saw the 2017 Minneapolis miracle. You saw the, mm-hmm. or Minnesota Medicare miracle. You saw the uh, NOLA no call in 2018. You saw the early exit 2019, the early exit again in 2020. So, you know, you, it, it didn't really work out in terms of like the postseason and everything like that in terms of getting to even as much as a conference championship. But between 2017 and 2020, they were the winningest franchise in the regular season across the NFL. So that was the piece where like, okay, you saw it and you kept feeling like, okay, they're one piece away or the window is still open or they're, you know, one bad call away from being in the Super Bowl. And, and you know, it was an absolute snooze fest of a Super Bowl that year between the mm-hmm. Rams or I guess the Rams kind of showed up, but the Patriots are mostly there. And so it was one of those situations to where like you see a lot of the success in the regular season, but it just didn't translate into the postseason. And there's a lot of theories as to why that is. Some of it is just like the bad luck situations in terms of what those fluky exits were, the ones that were fluky at least. And then there were the ones that are, you know, around like, how is Jabriz's arm strength by the time that you got to the postseason? Did you go all in two years too long, one or two years too long with Jabriz, right? Where I think Jabriz also like, did more than anyone really expected him to do at that point in his career as well. But you also watched him miss what eight of his last 32 career games with injury. So I, I would say that the success was certainly there during the regular season. It didn't end up translating to the postseason. but I don't think for an NFL team that you look at the lack of postseason success and say, we're doing it wrong because we're getting to the postseason and we're not winning. You instead have to look at it and say, okay, well, it's kind of a single elimination situation there. It is what it is. We got to try for it again next year. And the Saints continue to feel that they're that close to being able to get to that spot and get back to the postseason each season. I I sort of have this this bizarre uh, process driven take about it that maybe it's not bizarre. I I sort of think we need to wait until like five years from now to know for sure. Mm -hmm. Just because I want to see what happens next. It's sort of the same with the Rams. Like, okay, now you won. Now what? Because I when, when I look at those those Saints teams, you, you mentioned the winning. I look at those teams and I go, there was a case every season that they had the best roster in the league. Mm-hmm. And I thought in 2020, they had the best roster in the league. And they were a Jared Cook fumble away from really um, being in, in the mix for a Super Bowl. I mean, right. I mean, I thought I, I right. thought that they were potentially the, the scariest team for Green Bay outside of Tampa Bay. Um, I think most Packer fans would have much rather have seen New Orleans um, mm-hmm. and Drew Brees' arm at that point right. in, in Lambeau in, Field yeah, exactly. than, than Tom Brady. But at the same time, that was just a fluky bad luck play, the Minnesota miracle. I mean, th- this is to the point where these things have names, right? Right, and, exactly. This is, exactly. This is how <laughs> this is how traumatic these moments can be. And the Packers, I think in a lot of cases, can say the same kinds of things about the Aaron Rodgers era, where it's like you Arizona. It's a no call face mask in overtime mm-hmm. that that ends that game. They lose um, a playoff game at home to 
the, the 49ers on a last second field goal where Micah Hyde, who turns into an all pro player when he leaves, <laughs> drops a would be pick six. Right. You have the the Hail Mary in Arizona that mm-hmm. doesn't turn into a win because they don't go for two. And then on the second first play of overtime, they give up the Larry Fitzgerald. Like there are things that will go down in history. And I'm not even going to bring up what happened in Seattle in 2015. <laughs> That are so traumatic that it's like, okay, having really good rosters every year is actually the best way to try and do this. The Patriots had really good rosters every year. Mm -hmm. They just happened to have a great coach, a great quarterback, and they played the best situational football in the league. Mm -hmm. What do you just what do you think of this idea that we sort of need to wait? To see, I think like, so, especially like I especially agree with that for the New Orleans Saints situation, right? Especially with this whole idea that like eventually they're not going to be able to just keep restructuring these contracts and eventually like something will happen. What is that something and was right. it worth it? Right. Like we don't know what that something is yet because we're about to watch a bunch of TV money come in. We're about to watch a whole bunch of Caesars gambling money come in. Like we're going to see all of this stuff heighten what teams are spending every year in terms of a salary cap. And so do the Saints end up skirting by all these restructures because of the rising tidal wave of the salary cap that's expected to be on the way? And if that's the case, then, yeah, all of it was worth it. Right. Because they had the postseason appearances. They had the regular season wins. They had the, uh, you know, the the, the the 10 plus, you know, the double digit win seasons, they had all of that. And if they can keep finding ways to get nine, 10 wins a season with Jameis Winston going into next year, then that puts them in a situation to where, yeah, if, if nothing, if, if the whole bottom doesn't fall out, then absolutely it's worth it. But if the bottom does fall out and you're, you know, you've crippled your franchise for three, four years, it might not be worth it at that point. If you didn't walk away with the Super Bowl ring. I, I think too, the underrated part of what the Rams are doing, what the saints are doing. And I actually think it is overrated this idea that the Packers haven't gone all in. When you look at the money over the last few years that they've pushed into the future, the money that they spent in 2018, um, the, the, the main reason they had to restructure so many deals when they did over the last two seasons was COVID. Mm -hmm. If, if the world had just been normal, (laughs) the salary cap would have gone up and they probably would have been fine. That's the thing about the saints too. It's like, COVID did not cause the Saints to have to hemorrhage players. We looked at on on Locked On Today when it was Locked On Today. Now it's Locked On Sports Today, which mm-hmm. is, you should all go subscribe to. Um, about um, this idea that what, what were they seventy million over the cap or some crazy number this year? Hundred million dollars a year the year that the salary cap dropped. <laughs> right, and you were like, yeah, but they don't really have to do that much mm-hmm. to get to a solid place. And so it's like, what is what is the catastrophe? Well, the catastrophe is you stop adding good players to the roster. Right. It's not really the money. Right. Like this is why the cap is fake. People, I think, are mostly right. If you have good, as long as you have good players on your roster, and you are a team that can consistently bring in good players to your roster, and the Saints are one of those teams, the Packers are one of those teams. It kind of it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. And it only gets easier and easier every year to continue to add those players with the way that the rules have been changing. I mean, we're talking about now a 16 man practice squad that can have what, eight Mm -hmm. veterans on it and everything like that's that's a situation to where you're bringing on proven NFL players that end up becoming your depth. And then now we're talking about, all right, if you're able to build the top talent, but also be able to have the reliable veteran experience depth all across the roster and beyond now with the practice squads being the way that they are. Then you get those deep runs in the in the regular season. You get those deeper runs into the postseason because while everybody else is dealing with injuries, your top talent, as long as it's still intact, which did not happen for the Saints last year, for instance, but they also didn't 
didn't have the depth that they had had in the previous seasons where, you know, the seasons that you talked about 2019, 2020, where they had what would have been in contention for the best roster in the NFL. Part of that was that they were two, three, four, five deep at certain positions, right? Or certain units, let's say. Your margins become smaller. Much smaller. And so now you get to a situation here as the NFL rules continue to change, it just opens up more and more opportunities to add proven, veteran, experienced, and uh, valuable players to your roster to help you make those runs. And if you're able to continue to do that, I don't know where the harm is in terms of the idea that you're spending the money. More with Ross in just a second, but before we get there, let's talk about our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchups in the finals, the NHL hockey conference finals, plus, of course, Stanley Cup futures, Major League Baseball, and all of your MMA, your golf, your boxing. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering info, including live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. We also have an important favor to ask you. We put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcast even better. This is an opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about your favorite Locked On shows. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of $10 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. Thanks for your help. Back to Ross. So this is this is like the central question that I wanted to ask you and, and the, the main reason I wanted to have you on. Are from a Saints perspective, mm-hmm. when you look, when you do like your your locked on NFL shows, and you're looking at the Packers and the way that they team build, which again I think is underrated with the amount of aggressiveness that they have. They don't sign outside free agents as much because they're right. too busy signing all of their really good players to top of yep. market deals, like Jair Alexander, who they just gave mm-hmm. the bag to, Devondre Campbell, who they just gave the bag to. But do you look at the Packers and go? They could really do more. Like, why why don't they do what New Orleans does? It's interesting, right? Because it depends on kind of uh, there's there's a couple of ways to do more, right? There's the there's the in house retention, and then there's the outside additions. I personally believe that one of the things that made the Saints so successful for 2017 to 2020 in particular was their ability to retain in-house talent. It was always their number one goal going into the offseason. They never spent money on day one of free agency. They didn't even spend money on day one of free agency this year, and they lost everything, right? Like they lost the, they lost a quarterback two years ago. They lost the head coach this year. Like they've lost everything in terms of what the identity of that team was, but have been able to maintain what the identity is going to be in a pretty cohesive manner because of their ability to be able to retain in-house free agents. So I am always of the school of thought that if you have good players, pay them. It's that simple. This whole situation that you know is going on in Arizona where you talk about should they keep, should they not keep Kyler Murray? You know how hard it is to get a quarterback that you even have to ask that question about in the first place? Usually it's pretty clear if you don't pay that quarterback, like there's not a lot of guessing when it comes to that situation. So if you have good players, pay them. 
And so that's what I really appreciate and like about the Green Bay Packers. And yes, I know that there are going to be people who might hear me say that about the Green Bay Packers and then say, well, they didn't keep Devontae Adams. There are extenuating circumstances in certain situations in which players just don't want to return. And if that's the case, if that's what happened with Green Bay, no amount of money is going to change that player's mind. So it didn't turn around to the situation to where it was, you know, oh, well, they kept Aaron Rodgers, so they had to move Devontae Adams. That doesn't feel like that was the case. That felt more like this is what is the right thing to do between the player and the organization. So in those situations, I don't consider those things cap casualties or whatever. I think we have to be careful about what we attribute to actually being about the question of spending money versus the culture of your franchise and maintaining a winning way. And I think when you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers and you have a window of time that that is going to close over time. We don't know how quickly because these, you know, Tom Brady's 78 years old and still playing. So you don't know how long the window is open. And looks then, younger than ever. Somehow. Right, right. I mean, he's out there swinging golf clubs, looking younger than Tiger Woods at this point. And so you have like everything here for you in terms of what you can continue to build for that Green Bay Packers franchise. And sometimes you lose players in the process of that, but not everything needs to be attributed to this causation versus correlation. That's my big thing with it. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's that's absolutely right. What what I'm what I have joked with you about is that this team is still doing the thing, even though they don't have the quarterback, because I think <laughs> the quarterback is the way to do it. But mm. but another one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you was I talked to Travis Rogers for Locked On Sports today mm-hmm. um, for our our Thursday show, and he mentioned that for the Rams, it's not the quarterback that is their right. window. He said, Aaron Donald is our window. That's it. And and when Aaron Donald leaves, I don't know what this team looks like. That's with Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, I'm I'm looking at this going, okay, the, the instances where this makes sense is where you have this generational player that you can build around. Mm-hmm. That makes this Saints situation a, a fascinating tensile test, right? Of like, how far can you push this when you don't have that star quarterback? I think Jameis can be, we saw last year, a functionally helpful player right at 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 the most valuable spot but then how much do you spend i mean they're also spending millions of dollars on other guys who can theoretically play play quarterback even though Taysom hill is is i guess not going to be a quarterback anymore maybe until sometimes um (laughs) and i'll believe that when i see it by the way they're still gonna have Taysom hill packages you know good and damn well that's still gonna happen i know (laughs) um and if anything it's just dennis allen going no he's definitely we we promise he's not a quarterback anymore not a quarterback anymore well he will never throw a pass (laughs) for the saints again like yeah, and then it all gets spoiled game one and it's right. the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So, but like if if I'm the Packers, I do think there is a, a difficulty of saying we we want to take the long view on this. Like how does this, to, if, if you were advising the Chiefs mm-hmm. with Patrick Mahomes, who has, I don't think his extension has even fully kicked in yet in terms right. of where he's making that top end money. But like same as with the Bills, Josh Allen in a mm-hmm. year. How much can they maintain that flexibility? How much do you buy this uh, this quarterback money question of like the rookie quarterback deal? I, I still think rookie quarterback deal is really valuable. Mm-hmm. But how much do you buy this idea of it's actually really hard when you're paying a quarterback a lot of money? Because I personally think that is nonsense. Yeah, I don't buy it. 
I don't buy it. I think there's too much evidence otherwise. I mean, you look at what teams have built around Tom Brady. Look at what teams have built around Aaron Rodgers. Look at what teams have built around Drew Brees. And sure, you could sit there and you can point fingers. You could say, well, this one took a team-friendly deal in this year. This one took a team-friendly deal in that year. But what's a team-friendly deal when you're paying somebody $30 million a year? Like, it's still – you're still – uh, investing a large percentage of your spending at one position, regardless. And so when that happens, it doesn't really keep you from bringing in new players. It just impacts the way that maybe you structure the contracts. It impacts maybe the way you treat the money or you treat the accounting as opposed to the expenses. And I think that that's where we forget sometimes when we start to make judgments about, oh, this player is getting paid this much amount of money and they're overpaid and all these other things. Okay, hold on. That might be the case if you're looking at it just as an AAV or average annual value. But when you look at the actual structure of the contract, if a $17 million per year contract is paying out $25 million in the last year, then what's happening with the first three years, for instance? It's usually much lower than that. And usually that first year is like a vet minimum in terms of base salary. And so it impacts the way that you structure the contracts, but I don't think it hinders you from being able to add the talent. In fact, it probably makes it better and easier to get players to agree to those structures and those differently structured contracts because they get to come and play with that quarterback that you just spent all that money on. I think the other the other part of of just that part of the conversation is mm-hmm. that let's say you sign a four-year deal where you've got that balloon fourth year. Mm-hmm. Well, if you've got a really good football player, guess what you can do? Extend, Extend that player. the player, exactly. And, and all of the guaranteed money has been paid out. Mm-hmm. So that last year is just theoretical money. It's just- right. Like it's hypothetical money and it's like, okay, well, if we cut you player, you're not getting that money. So why not sign on for three more years? We'll spread some of that money across. We'll give you some guaranteed money. More guarantees. Yep. And, and there are just, there are ways to massage this that I think there's just a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth. I think the, the, I made this joke a couple weeks ago that, that the quickest way to sound smart, smart on Twitter, but offer nothing by way of analysis is to clutch pearls about the salary cap. <laughs> that is like, if you want to right. appear smart, but offer nothing, right? it is to do that thing. And so that's why I think we, we get a lot of this analysis. I, I, I'm wondering too about from the saints, like, is there, and I, I guess one of the reasons why I'm wondering it is because I'm thinking about Jordan love in a year mm-hmm. or two. Mm-hmm. Could this saints model work for a team that has this sort of stopgap quarterback? I'm, I'm thinking of, the the 49ers, for example, like Jimmy Garoppolo right. and, George, and Jared Goff, did the Rams maybe learn the wrong lessons that like, hey, if you surround these middling quarterbacks with a ton of talent and you have a good coach, you can go to the Super Bowl. I mean, the Rams almost won. The 49ers probably should have won mm-hmm. a Super Bowl. The the Jaguars for crying out loud with an awesome team around right, a mid quarterback. Yeah. Right. They probably would have won that Super Bowl if they'd have gone to it. Right. And and. I just wonder if there is maybe a, um, a market inefficiency that the Saints right now are, I think they're trying to exploit. Well, what we've seen the New Orleans Saints do over the course of the past few years is that like they've always had the driver, so they focused on building the car around them, right? Mm-hmm. They had Drew Brees. And right. so they focused on, okay, how do we, you know, how do we get the, the the best you know situation around him, right? And so now, because they did that, they then get to transfer that car to a new driver, right? They change the title. It's Jameis Winston's now. Here you go. Sign the paper. It's all yours. And so now what they've done is that they've created, and I think like another team that almost did this 
was the New York Giants, but I think they're spending too much time on Daniel Jones. But they put a lot of weapons around on that offensive side when they brought in Kyle Rudolph, they drafted Kadarius Sody, they had Kenny Galladay, they were had Darius Slayton, Saquon Barkley. Like they had the car built around, but they had a really, really bad driver. And for whatever reason, they've stuck with that bad driver. And so now, like they're going to miss the window of seeing what that car could have done with a more skilled and talented driver. They're going to miss it. If you're able to sort of transfer all of that, which I think the Packers are in the in the position now to where they're starting to do that, right? They have the defense, the offensive line, like you mentioned. The wide receivers might be unproven at the moment, but damn if they're not talented, right? right? You have the the run game. Like there's so many pieces to it that all belong to Aaron Rodgers right now that are going to be able to continue to be set up over the course of time as it transfers to that sort of next quarterback, that next driver. So I think maybe that's sort of the mold that I look at that works for teams like San Francisco and Los Angeles. Angeles, right? Look at Los Angeles, right? They put the right quarterback with the car <laughs> and you see what they did, right? They went off and they won the Super Bowl. So I think that that becomes that mentality of making sure that you have the situation around the quarterback ready for the quarterback that you have right now that you trust, but that can also be ready for that next quarterback as well. I think the Falcons are trying that right now. And and in a way, the Dolphins are doing it too. They're, sure. they're you know, a couple of years earlier with Tua mm-hmm. than, than the Giants are with Daniel Jones. But we're gonna we're gonna find out this year if, if Tua can play or not. Mm-hmm. And and I think this idea of putting the putting the pieces around the driver, putting the car together and then finding your driver, that's a that's a really interesting idea that I think we're gonna see some more teams try in the years to come. Ross, thank you so much, my friend, for for spending some time with us on a summer Friday. People can go check out Locked On Saints, check on Locked On NFL. When Ross is on it, he is all over the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks, man. Hey, absolute pleasure, bro. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks to Ross for joining the show. Always great to talk to him. And thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen Locked On NFL. Our national NFL experts and insiders keep fans dialed in on the biggest stories and the latest news from around the league because an offseason doesn't mean a break in the action. Follow Locked On NFL every day on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right. Back next week with a lot more content. Remember, Monday, Wednesday, Friday is our schedule. So Monday show, Wednesday show, and summer Fridays back in action for the month of June. We are TBD on July when we go back to that full-time schedule, but you need a break. I need a break. So go enjoy the weather, go play golf, go play tennis, go to the pool, go to the beach, go hike, go go play video games. Whatever you want to do, uh, enjoy the summer. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.